This podcast episode should not be used as a substitute for medical or mental health advice. Individuals are advised to seek independent medical advice, counseling, and or therapy from a healthcare professional with respect to any medical condition, mental health issue, or health inquiry, including matters discussed on this podcast episode. Welcome back to the Narcissistic Abuse Support Platform podcast brought to you by Unfiltered. This is episode 7. In today's episode, Sarah, integrative counselor and narcissist abuse specialist, will answer these seven questions from our community. 1. What is parental alienation and how does it work? 2. I'm going to be divorcing a narcissist this year. What are the warning signs of parental alienation that I should look out for? 3. How can you reconnect with your child after parental alienation? 4. Do you remember the effect that parental alienation had on your child? I would like to know more about what parental alienation does to a child. 5. How can I manage the painful emotions, feelings and thoughts that parental alienation creates? 6. Did your child ever share with you about how the alienation made him feel? 7. How did you get the parental alienation to stop? Hi Sarah, thank you for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you in this podcast episode. Thank you, Juliana. I'm happy to be here. Okay, let's get started right away. So the first question is, what is parental alienation and how does it work? So parental alienation is um, is a behavior or it, it's it's an act that one parent will do to the other parent via the child. So the child is alienated from the other parent or the parent is alienated from the child if that's how that's how it actually ends up working out. So it can cause it can come from um the it's it's like the toxic behaviors of the relationship of the couple are then transferred to the child. So if for instance if we say well that the um there was a perpetrator that was a man and he um, was left by his partner so she decided that the abuse was too bad and she had to leave and they, they have children or a child together then the perpetrator will extend the abuse through the child so it's a way of continuing to abuse the victim after the victim has left the relationship and when I say victim, I also mean survivor. So it can be either. I don't want to make the victim word can be triggering for some people. Um, but if we use it, if I use the term perpetrator and victim, it can be either gender. So it can be that the um, the perpetrator can be the female, uh, can be the woman in the relationship. Um, and uh, they use the power that they've had um during the relationship, they try and continue the, that power dynamic after the relationship is split through the child. And the child uh, has to manage their loyalties between two parents. That's that's it simply. It comes in all sorts of variables because there will be different children of different ages who are affected in different ways often leads to estrangement where the child 
no longer wants to see the uh, alienated parent um, because it's just too difficult, it's too complex for them to manage two different relationships and uh, when, when you've got two parents who don't get on anymore. Thank you, that was a great answer. Let's go to the second one. I'm going to be divorcing a narcissist this year. What are the warning signs of parental alienation that I should look out for? So this will again depend on the age of the child as to how they'll react in a situation where they have, um, where, you know, so for instance, two little children or a child, a small child, maybe under the age of five or seven, doesn't have the um, capacity to really understand what's happening between their parents and why they've split and any toxic behaviors or abusive behaviors. And their, their confusion so when they, so for instance, sorry, when they go back to, if for instance they're living with their mum, but they have contact with their dad, and when they go to see their dad, the dad fills their head is a way of terming it, but also you know will basically undermine their mother. So he can do that by, um, you know, undermining her in ways of she's this, she's that, she's all things negative, um, and the way that. Um, passes down to the child is that they can then come home with behavior as if they have um, trouble managing that difference, managing that. So it can be aggressive behaviors. It can be sleep disruption. Um, it, it can be silent, you know, like a reclusive kind of behavior, especially in older children, as they're trying to manage that one parent is abusing the other parent through them. And they, they might they might shut down, they might uh, turn to gaming, they might find an alternative um, sort of distraction from what they're going through with, their, with the alienation of the parent. Um, especially with teenagers, there'll be, there could be um, a showing of disrespect. So if you imagine a teenager may well have uh, witnessed toxic behaviors going between the perpetrator and the victim, then the, the, the teenager can pick up that way of uh, behaving towards the alienated parents. So you might find that um, you're getting treated with less respect. And that's going to be tricky to see because the child is of an age when, as a teenager, when you're going to be expecting possibly that behavior anyway. Um, so it can be quite subtle. And in younger children, it can be quite extreme. So it can be like, um, you know, I've known of little children who've had such disrupted sleep when they get back from the from the perpetrator that they, um, you know, they're managing on three or four hours sleep before they have to go to school. And that carries on right through the week until they go back. They might just get their sleep settled again before they go back to the perpetrator and then it starts all over again. Oh, wow. That surely, like, is very damaging. Like, mm. children need sleep, and anyway, the toxic environment, mm. like itself. Yeah, <laughs> it's very, very hard to manage. Um, let's go to the third question: How can you reconnect with your child after parental alienation? So it will depend, of course, on the age of the child, and also the relationship that you might have had before the alienation. So this again is kind of subject to some variables because 
if you've been estranged from your child because of the the, the alienation, because that that is so that is what happens a lot. So that the child's way of coping is by estranging from the alienated parent. They side with the person with that has had more power, and they um, they are probably manipulated by that perpetrator as well. So the easiest way for the child to cope is to disconnect from the alienated parent. So if you're getting back together with your child, if you're reconnecting and, and, and having some contact with your child, the important, you know, you might do that through therapy, you might do that through a third person, you might be able to have somebody else who would mediate that. If the, the basic rule is about it is to offer your child empathy. And that might seem tricky because at the time what you what what you're probably going through is a need to defend the attack, like defend yourself from the attack from the perpetrator. So the perpetrator will have attacked you for some time, um, you know, that you'll be witness, you'll know is going on. And, um, and then the child may come to you and say, but you did this, this and this, and you upset the other parent by this behavior and that behavior. And the only native parent really wants to defend themselves often and say, um, you know, well, I can prove this. I, I've got evidence. I, you know, some for some. I remember a story about somebody who was attacked around finances. So she was told, you know, uh, she the, the the child had been told that mum had um, financially abused the perpetrator, and and she had evidence uh, through bank statements. But she, um, you know, and and so that the need therefore would be to show the child the evidence, prove your point. But for the child, that becomes, that's that they can't hold that, they can't manage that. Um, I mean, again, it's going to depend on what age, because if you're talking about an adult child, they may well have the capacity for that. They might have the, the sort of, the ability to sort of have the empathy for the alienated parent. But for younger children, they haven't, that you know, the, the, the sort of, the method that is used or is known to work is by offering empathy to the child. So instead of it being, you know, if we role model that a minute, it would look something like, um, I'm so sorry you had to hear that about me. That must have been so confusing for you. How did you manage hearing that your mum or your dad, you know, whichever way around it is, um, has has been this person? And that must have been very difficult for you to manage those those two things that maybe you had loved me, but now you're confused that I'm a bad person. So it's about how can you offer uh, empathy to your child for the experience they have endured and put your own um, defense mechanism aside in order to reconnect with your child. Because in time, if there's the channel of communication that's open, there may well be chance for that later on. You know, you may well be able to help your child understand what actually happened in the future, maybe when they're older, um, maybe when they've experienced something similar themselves. Who knows where it will pan up. The first, the first response is about honouring the child's experience and empathising with them. And in doing so, you can relax your child and help them see that you're you're actually modeling 
the empathic, you know, being an empathic parent. Thank you. And that's so important because the other other parent, the unhealthy or abusive parent, they will never be able to offer mm-hmm. that role model of showing the empathy. And there is also, I have heard that people are actually actually worried that their children become either abusive themselves or narcissistic or lack empathy if they are too much, spend too much time with the abusive, unhealthy or narcissistic person uh, who is all the time role modeling their behavior. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's that is the concern. It's a real one of like, will my child be codependent to the perpetrator or the narcissist? Um, or will they be will they identify with him or her and become like them? Mm. And uh, so it's like, will they learn, you know, who will they copy the behavior of? Because often, you've got a narcissist and a codependent in relationship together. And you may well be teaching your child how to treat the narcissist. Don't upset him or her. Um, you know, be quiet. He's he him. You know, she or he is working. Um, you know, it's about this whole thing of uh, sort of encouraging that power dynamic for the and subconsciously we do it without. You know, it's maybe before we've understood what's happening and. Uh, we're trying to protect the child from ups- um, upsetting the narcissist because that won't end well, um, you know. But then afterwards, we, you know, in time, we can look back and think, well, I've just taught him or her to be codependent. Now I have to undo that, you know. I have to try and uh, correct that. Or and then, of course, there's the other thing of. Yeah, um, will that child be become a narcissist? And what I have learned is that for a time, you know, there was a time for me where I was, because uh, I haven't been through this, where I, I, I had that concern: will my son um, become narcissistic? Because at the moment he's being narcissistic to me, but he was a teenager. So it, one would expect a teenager to have more narcissistic behaviors. Um, and what I actually spent a long time researching was, can somebody be codependent and narcissistic? So like, because what I realized was going on is that he was being codependent to his dad, but narcissistic to me. So it's that it's like, that it's almost like that person then has two parts and they will um, keep the narcissist, know how to keep the narcissist happy, but in a way take out their anger um, on the more codependent parent, if that makes sense. Wow, that must have been hard. That Really, kind of... really hard. To, and a lot of anxiety, a lot of concern for me uh, in that time. And I spent 15 months estranged from him um at a time of his life which was um you know he really needed his mom he was 13 so between i left um at 13 and he stayed with his dad and then but we weren't estranged till he was about 17 um so there was lots of toxicity before that and lots of disrespect and um you know shown to me um so i just thought i really hope anyway he's turned into a lovely human being and we we connected um, 
after the 15 months of separation, went for therapy together. Um, so when you go for therapy with um, another person, even if, even if you're not in um, a couple, which obviously we weren't, then you have to see a couple's counsellor. So that's maybe an important bit of information for the listeners that you need to seek a person who's um, uh, trained in working with two people. And that is often a couple's counsellor. Um, and they help mediate between um, the two parties. And I was really lucky because halfway through the therapy, you know, that so we had a series of sessions and partway through, um, a friend sent me a podcast that explained how to offer your alienated child empathy and the importance of that. And I could use that and it diffused so much pain, so much triggering responses were diffused by my ability to push my defences aside and allow his process. And in time, we've become a really healthy, we've got a really healthy relationship. So I know that people can go through this narcissistic phase and become a whole human and behave in a way which has empathy for others. So I'm, I suppose what I'm saying there is try not to despair. If you've had good attachment with your child early on and then you, you become estranged or you, um, you know, have some difficulty, especially through the teenage years, eventually, you know, obviously I know it's not going to happen 100% of the time, but um, I do know that that early attachment is like an investment it's like money in the bank it comes back and then um, a, a healthy relationship can be reformed once the processing of what's happened to everybody has happened okay yeah thank you and i'm so happy to hear that now you have a very healthy re relationship with your son Me too. i'm really grateful for it and I guess having been through it means I appreciate it being having been through the alienation and the estrangement I can I guess I appreciate it more um, than maybe I ever would that I um, I recognize how healthy it is that um, we when when we have a difference now we're able to um, both see for the other how our, um, you know, our initial responses might be coming from somewhere else and we're able to say, you know, I recognise that might have been from the past, um, but I didn't, you know, and then we can correct it and say I didn't mean it like that now. And, and it, again, it's diffused. It's about that, that, that lesson that happened in therapy about honouring his process has um, I've used again and again. So, um, and that creates... A more healthy exchange. Mm -hmm. So you would say you would recommend someone going through the same that you did in the past. Like, what is my takeaway? That therapy helped you you too a lot, and then you mentioned learning about um, showing empathy towards mm -hmm. the child. Like those two things. Am I right? Or yeah, absolutely. I 
I would definitely recommend. I mean, if if people can't afford therapy, or if maybe uh, one one party doesn't want therapy, then the um, the bit that we can always offer is empathy. So you know, even if we don't get as much opportunity to communicate the whole, you know, about the whole thing in a safe space, we can still um, use that. That is the most important thing. And it's it, what, because what it recognizes, it's the same for if, if we've got, if we know somebody that's been in an, in an abusive relationship and they're not, not maybe not be, um, might not be a family member, they might be a friend. When the, um, they, they may still well have been estranged. When they come back to us and say, I realize now that person was abusive, um, what we need to remember is this is just the beginning of their process. It's the beginning of their journey. They may not be ready to hear, okay, yeah, that person was an extreme narcissist. He's this, he's that, he's gassed at you. Um, and I do apologize for us using the he um, because it could easily be a she. Um, so, you know, it's about allowing that person their process and we start with empathy. So if we can say, wow, you've been through it, that must have been really difficult, it will mean that the person knows they're being heard, which, of course, we know the victims of narcissists haven't had that. That's something they haven't, you know, it'll take them a long time to get used to being heard and listened to. Mm, yeah, thank you for that. That was very important. Important to say out loud and remind ourselves that sometimes mm -hmm. the best we can do is just to show the people that we are there and we are there to listen and create in that way the safe space for them to talk when they are ready and if they want to. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Okay, uh, let's go to the, is it fourth question? Yes. Uh, do you remember the effect that parental alienation had on your child? I would like to know more about what parental alienation does to a child. So this was tricky because I, I was kind of, I guess when I thought about this question, I, I thought, well, I was estranged from him for a long time. But before that, there was just a huge amount of disrespect. So I would be, um, that's how it would be received by me. Is So for him, I guess the effect would have been that he um, took his anger out on me. He had no respect for me. Um, he was sort of, it was as if, it was as if, I guess, the behaviours that he had witnessed his father uh, do to me he was now doing to me so um, and that's that thing of how we teach by our behavior and because I only had one son it was quite clear to see with him I guess that, that it, it was almost as if one part was codependent and the other part of him was narcissistic so and that's like his dad had taught him how to treat me and I had taught him how to treat his dad um and so for so the effect would have been like um he definitely would have had divided loyalties um he would have lost he lost his relationship with me he lost any quality of relationship with me 
Um, and it's a kind of a continuing, so or um, an extension of the abusive dynamic, the abusive, uh, unhealthy behaviours in the parental relationship is kind of passed down to the child. That's what I've noticed. The as for other children that I know of that have been through the um, how they suffer with the parental alienation, it will be such things like I said about sleep disruption, anger, um, aggressive behaviours towards a, a sibling, or it might be aggressive behaviours towards um, the, the alienated parent and a new partner. So they'll take out a lot of anger on the new partner. Um, and I guess the the worst bit must be that that for the child is the um, the way they they the the relay how the relationship with the alienated parent is affected, so that it's like I can no longer love you like I did before. I can't show you respect. I can't. That's it. you know. In order to please the narcissist. I have to disrespect you, I have to disown you, I have to, you know, shout at you, be aggressive. And that will earn me favour with the narcissist, which we know is important to anybody who lives with a narcissist. To keep the narcissist happy is a priority, because if you don't keep them happy, you'll suffer more. That's so horrible, like, well... Whoa, whoa, whoa! I really, I really, I, because I know there are many who are currently in that situation. So it mm -hmm. makes makes me really sad to think about this. Okay, um, let's go to the next question. How can I manage the painful emotions, feelings, thoughts that parental alienation creates? I find this a difficult question because I know how difficult it is that. How, you know, if you watch um, animal parents, um, then you see they will attack anybody that goes near their babies, their whatever animal that is. It will be, you know, you separate um, any animal from its child, from its baby, and you'll see some distress. Um, so we are in a state of distress, if we, especially if we've had a good attachment with our children. Um, and then... So it, it it is a really difficult one. I would say that it would be there would be there would be techniques through DBT, which is a way of managing. You know, for instance, uh, dialectical behavioral therapy has a good um, sort of part, which is about distress tolerance. So, and um, it there will be some information in that for anybody who wants to look that up but um other than that that's the general way that we we you know that as counselors we teach or uh recommend our clients how to manage their distress and it will be uh, mindfulness breath work um if you've got a lot of aggression maybe um sports going to the gym um so a way of channeling that um It's not an easy one. I can't say there's a quick fix or an easy solution to that. If, you know, it's, I've heard people describe it as, um, especially when the alienation leads to estrangement, um, it's as if they have to grieve 
and it's as if they've suffered a bereavement and but they're but it's not final so it's because it's ongoing so it it's it's a really tricky one because people want to be able to move on but then they feel guilt they want to be able to live a life that is comes back to some sort of normal but again they feel that will be disrespectful to their children and whereas if if it was a bereavement i'm not saying uh, you know anybody who's lost a child must be absolutely that must be really awful but there would be an end there may well be an end to the grieving process whereas this is like it's left open maybe they'll come back maybe they won't um and then there's the injustice managing the injustice that you know your precious child or children are being told things about you that aren't true um this is a really difficult one to live with um there's a powerlessness to it um and it's so it's about managing those feelings of powerlessness and 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 probably anger and frustration around the injustice um i guess counseling is a good way to um process help process that um but i'm afraid there's no quick fix thank you thank you for the honest answer really there is a quick fix when it comes to comes to these things mm. The next question is, did your child ever share with you about how the alienation made him feel? We still haven't really spoken about that. Even with all our healthy communication now, we don't go back to that. And I think if I if I use what I do know now, I would say it was probably very subtle. So he maybe wasn't so consciously aware of it. Um I'll give you a little example. When I was with his father, I wanted to meet up with my family um who were having a holiday. And my relationship, I should say that the relationship I've been in was for was a very long relationship. I've been with him for 24 years. And um and when this opportunity came up, like we worked very very closely together and we never had much money and everything was always difficult and and then i um i had the opportunity to meet with my family which triggered him he didn't like this he wanted to keep me away from my family because my family actually all have we have a lot of love for each other and um we enjoy spending time together we used to um so what happened there was um our what happened during that week when i was supposed to be using our vehicle to go down to see my family at the weather and I was already only going for two nights when everybody else had been there for a week and uh what happened was our vehicle broke down uh, not on the way this was before we went we were due to go and um he was the person who fixed everything and he just didn't fix the car so he would be you know it would just make everything difficult well if you go you'll have to take the dogs well it was to a place where they didn't accept dogs And in the end what I did in that instance was I hired a vehicle and I took the dogs with me and my son and we went but for you know even an even shorter visit than I'd originally planned. So that's that's the kind of way that they do it is like often sometimes it'll be blatant um and obvious but other times it's I'll make this really difficult for you 
Um, and then, you know, for my son, I think he was told, um, you know, instead of having any empathy for my behaviour, after I'd left, I'd been with him for so long, I was a little bit, um, how do I put it, like my behaviour was a little bit out there because I had been in, in this relationship since I was 16 and I was now 40. And um, so I was, you know, I wasn't very steady. And rather than having any support or empathy around that, everything I did was, um, you know, he could find something really negative to say to, uh, about me to my son. So that's the way it can be done. It might not, and definitely about the finances, you know, it's another one where there'll be um, your mum's taking all my money. That's another, That's one that they'll often use um, when actually it will be so far from the truth. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, I don't really know how it made him feel, but I know he lost his relationship with me for some time and I know the impact that had on him, which was that he then, um, he did, he, he, he struggled with female relationships for a long time because he, his dad had told him that I had abandoned him when all I wanted was to see him. So everything is done in this inverse, the inverse of what you, what's really going on. Um, so my son was living with this sense that women abandon people, you know, sons or partners. Um, and, and so he would have had to manage new relationships as he was getting older uh, with distrust. That's how he would have met new people with a level of distrust. What are you going to do to hurt me? And actually, I was there just desperate to see him. And uh, I, I'll lead that on to the next question because we have the last question is how did it stop? And it stopped because I, I never had a phone number for him. So the, for every, every, like that was another thing his dad did. This was another trick. The, my son didn't have his own phone and his dad would change the phone number so they would keep getting new phones and every time I got it you know if so I had like a list of seven numbers for them and I would keep trying all those numbers once a week say um in the hope of speaking to my son and it would always be you know disconnected or I would never get ne never get any response um but the one thing I hadn't done was disconnected from Facebook. Well, because I wouldn't disconnect anyway. It was like I didn't do anything with Facebook because I thought this might be, he might then notice that I'm still a friend on Facebook and um, defriend me. What can't think what you call it, but, you know, um, unfriend me. So I, um, I used that in the end. And it was my mum that said to me, she she pushed me to do it and she said um just just do it in case he's really wanting to hear from you now just contact him via facebook and i did very you know full of anxiety because i didn't know whether i'd, I'd be blocked or uh, i'd get a message back and um he actually replied within five minutes and wanted to see me <laughs> so it was it was joyous, but it was, all, and, and I was super relieved, but it did take a lot of rebuilding to feel confident because I kept thinking that he'll back out. He won't come and see me. Um, 
And I remember the night before meeting him, I didn't sleep. Um, and I ended up, you know, just getting up really, really early and being ready to go and fetch him. Um, and it's taken us, it did take a long time to get back to anything like normal, really. <laughs> that was, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's been a painful time, you know, looking back on it. It, it, it has, um, especially that question of um, how do we manage the painful emotions? Because I remember that wasn't easy. And I guess getting some professional support, um, I, didn't, I didn't really have that at that time. And if I had, that might have helped to have somewhere where I could communicate all this pain. I think maybe that would have helped. And I'd like to add one more thing because it can feel so desperate. And this is the thing I've gone, I know that people listening will may well be struggling with the, still be struggling with estrangement or the alienation and all those negative feelings. And then luckily for me, I get to reconnect with my son. And I know that there'll be a lot of people struggling with managing that hope because people often say when you're in that situation, oh, um, don't worry, he'll come back or she'll come back. And it's like, how can you be so confident? I don't know that. And so managing the hope is really difficult. And what I have learned through working with um, clients who've been through or, or who are going through this um, alienating uh, alienation is that they, um, what we're taught through the domestic abuse service that I work for, our supervision kind of encourages us to um, let, sort of uh, help clients see the long term um, journey with this so that the child and ch or children, it's their journey that they have this narcissistic parent. And it, although that's very difficult for us to watch and we feel super responsible for having gotten this is their parent um but in time what we do see is that the children work it out for themselves so if we can stand back and try not to be too defensive about what's happened to us and what we're being accused of and allow the children to work it out for themselves what we see is they get a, 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 a lesson in managing difficult people that will be valuable for the rest of their lives. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, so that was the last question for today's episode. And we had some, I think we had some really great questions and great, great answers. And thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode and thank you, Sarah, one more time so much for joining me today and answering these questions. Thank you, Juliana.